What's up, everybody, and welcome to Lights, Camera, Exploitation, your guide to exploitive cinema. This is your host with the motherfucking most, T.G. Bowser, and joining me is my doppelganger, Kanga Banger, from down under, Mr. Broder Kane. Howdy, amigos. And Mr. Slick Nick himself. How y'all doing? Today is April 9th, 2021, and we got a doozy of an episode for you today. But first, it's time for your slice of life. Brody, how was your week? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all. You know, as always, like I say every week, flat out at work. Um, however, I did come home to some tasty treats this week. Um, and 88 film Scarecrows, I finally got it after weeks and weeks of uh, pretty much fucking around with this bloke on eBay. Uh, he just he screwed the pooch real bad with it, um, sent it to someone else. It got sent back to him. So in saying that, he sent me an email and he's like, I'm going to send you Screen Factory's Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. So I received that this week as well. And at 2.30 a.m. this morning, I thought I'd treat myself and I purchased The King of New York from Arrow Films because they're having an Easter sale at the moment. Easter so. carnage sale. Ooh. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. And I can't wait to get this fucking movie because I love it. Christopher Walken is badass in this film. But other than that, um, just the same old shit with me. You know how it is, TJ. Nick, how you been, my brother? Not too bad. Uh, a little bit stressful at work this week. Kind of a long one, just fixing stuff that's breaking, as always, seems like. Uh, so I, I actually took today off. Uh, had a few beers, watched Overlord last night with some friends. It was fun. Um, yeah. And then uh, I basically, yeah, I was just in bed today. It was really, really nice. I needed that. <laughs> How about you, TJ? Well, Brody, I also ordered some new films, but I won't be here till June. Diabolic DVD. Have you ever been to that website? No, I have not. So I was on Diabolic DVD and I got Years of Lead, five classic Italian crime thrillers from 1973 to 1977. I got the limited edition Arrow US release. I got the stylist, the limited edition Arrow US release of that. And then I pre-ordered Strike Commando 1 and 2 from Severed. Fuck yes. Hell yeah. That looks awesome. Hell yeah. And then uh, did you see what Severn announced today? No, please fill us in. So <laughs> you need to go watch the trailer that I put in the Project Louder chat. It is reserved to like 2,000 copies, right? It's a film called Skinned Deep. It is like this crazy ass fucking movie it's from director uh here's here's how it is described on severn his mind-blowing work as an effects artist has included everything from frank hennenlauter's brain damage and frankenhooker to matthew barney's hmm. cream master cycle and for his 2004 debut as writer producer director gabe bartolos created his demented gift from the b-movie gods bloody good horror about a royal clan of psychotic freaks the killing spree that takes us places and shows us things that we've never seen before and the final girl that may be that they're deprived undoing. Warwick Davis and Jason Dirge star with an appearance by fandom legend Forrest Ackerman in this brutal, bloody, forgotten masterpiece featuring music by Captain Sensible of the Damned, new scanned, uncut in the 2K and the original negative for the first time ever. This version includes a bonus CD for the first ever release of the original soundtrack by David Davidson featuring two tracks by the Damned Captain Sensible. And it is packed with special yeah. features. You yeah, had me a brain damage, man. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. When you said Frank Hennenlauer, I was like, oh, yeah, oh. The, the trailer's <laughs> like uh, Brain Damage meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yes. Okay, so let's get into this week's film, which is 1969's Easy Rider. Easy Rider stars Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper. 
Hey, man, everything that we ever dreamed of is in that teardrop gas tank, and you got a stranger over there pouring gasoline all over it. He won't know what it is, man. He won't know what it is. Don't worry, Billy. Co-starring Jack Nicholson. Here's the first of the day, fellas. Easy Rider. It's the story of a man who went looking for America and couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, I just can't believe. What are they doing here? I don't never know, but I don't think they'll make the Paris line. Cannes Film Festival winner. Best film by a new director. Easy Rider. From director Dennis Hopper, who also did the last movie in 1971, Out of the Blue in 1980, Colors in 1988, and Chaser in 1994, writers Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, and Terry Southern. So, Terry Southern's kind of known and won a bunch of awards for The Loved One in 1965, Barbarella in 1968, The End of the Road in 1970, in a spicy-ass title with Terry Southern interviews a faggot male nurse, a short in 1998. And believe it or not, it's almost satirical at like how a man's like sexuality interferes with his uh, job. It's really fucking strange. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It sounds interesting. Producers Bert Schneider and Peter Fonda. Cinematographer Laszlo Kovacs, who also did The Legend of the Lone Ranger in 1981, Ghostbusters 1984, and Free Willy 2 The Adventure Home in 1995, and also Miss Congeniality in 2000, one of Nick's favorites. <laughs> Music by Mike so DC, who also did Gremlins 2, The New Batch in 1990, Final Destination in 2000, Sky High in 2005, and our third Happy Feet connection, Happy Feet 2 in 2011. I love it. <laughs> I love how many movies are connected to Happy Feet. <laughs> Budget, $360,000 USD, starring Peter Fonda as Wyatt, who was also in the Cannonball Run in 1981, Escape from LA in 1996, which Brody said is better than New York, and Wild Hogs in 2007. Yeah, that'll probably start some controversy, I reckon. <laughs> but say the comment sections are going wild right now. <laughs> Dennis Hopper God, as Billy. Stand with it. Dennis Hopper as Billy. You might know him from The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 in 1986, Speed in 1994 that scared the hell out of Brody, and Waterworld from 1995. <laughs> let, me just, let me just clarify. It was Dennis Hopper's fucking character that scared me as a kid. Not fucking the movie. It was his character. The bus is going too fast, man. <laughs> Jack Nicholson as George Hansen. Uh, let's say Chinatown 1974, The Shining 1980, and The Departed in 2006, amongst several other films. I mean, yeah, it's Jack fucking Nicholson, baby. I mean, he was the Joker. <laughs> so I'm um, doing some research for this film. Phil Spector as Connection. Uh, who is Connection, Nick? Is that the uh, hippie dude at the beginning? I believe so. Yeah, the guy who brought them to the compound and gave them the acid that, so that they do later So that on. guy is a famous record producer known for producing Ike and Tina Turner's River Deep High Mountain in 1966. The Beatles Let It Be in 1970 and the Ramones End of the Century in 1980. So he would go on to live a very fruitful life up until the the point where he put a gun in his wife's mouth and pulled the trigger and said that she shot herself and he spent the rest of his life in jail. He what? killed him. Yeah. He killed someone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> it is Phil Spector. <laughs> Lucas Q as Stranger on Highway. He's also from Cool Hand Luke in 1967, The Magnificent Seven Ride in 1972, in Frailty in 2001. Brody? Woo! I love that film. <laughs> Antonio Mendoza as Jesus. Oh. <laughs> 
Or, I'm an idiot, by the way. I got that wrong. Uh, Askew was the guy that gave them the acid. Uh, Connection was the guy they sold the cocaine to at the very beginning. Of the ah, movie. fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I know someone would rip us apart if I left that. So, <laughs> Is it Jesus or Jesus for Antonio Mendoza? You'd have Let's to go with Jesus. Let's go with Jesus. <laughs> he only has one other film credit, and that's turned the other cheek from 1974. Karen Black is Karen. Oh, boy. Didn't age well. The Great Gatsby from 1974. <laughs> Child of the Night. <laughs> Children of the Night in 1991 in House of a Thousand Corpses in 2003. Cue the Rob Zombie music. Warren Finnerty as Rancher from Murder, Inc. in 1960. The last movie in 1971 and Cockfighter 1974. One of Brody's favorites. Lana Anders as Fuck. What's her name? I never put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Trust the well let's find out shall we uh. so I don't know what character she played but she was in the last detail in 1973 the two Jakes with Jack Nicholson in 1990 which I believe is an unofficial sequel to Chinatown and Heart and Souls in 1993 which I also believe Lisa, Lisa which I also believe is a Huey Lewis in the news song Ooh. <laughs> first. Hey, Jack. Yeah, I'm good. I prefer <laughs> to be squared <laughs> Brody Wyatt and Billy, two Harley-riding hippies, complete a drug deal in Southern California and decide to travel cross-country in search of spiritual truth. On their journey, they experience bigotry and hatred from the inhabitants of a small-town America and also meet with other travelers seeking alternative lifestyles. After a terrifying drug experience in New Orleans, the two travelers wonder if they will ever find a way to live peacefully in America. Not at this time. Nope. <laughs> so this motherfucker took home a lot of awards and this is a long list, so let's dig right in. Kansas City Film Critics Circle Awards in 1969. Best Supporting Actor, Jack Nicholson. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. New York Film Critics Circle Awards in 1969. Best Supporting Actor, Jack Nicholson. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Cannes Film Festival in 1969. Best First Work, Dennis Hopper. Winner in the Palm d'Or Award. To Dennis Hopper, nominee. Golden Globes in 1970, Best Supporting Actor, Jack Nicholson, nominee. Academy Awards in the United States of America in 1970, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Jack Nicholson, nominee. Best Writing, Story, and Screenplay based on material not previously published or produced, Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, Terry Southern, nominee. Then the BAFTA Awards in 1970, Best Supporting Actor, Jack Nicholson, nominee. Directors Guild of America, United States of America, 1970, Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Motion Pictures, Dennis Hopper, nominee. Writers Guild of America, United States of America, 1970, Best Drama Written Directly for the Screen, Peter Fonda, <laughs> Dennis Hopper, Terry Southern nominee. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) National Society of Film Critics Awards in the United States of America, 1970. Best Supporting Actor, Jack Nicholson. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Special award goes to Dennis Hopper. The Laurel Awards in 1970. Male Supporting Performance, Jack Nicholson. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Cinematographer, Laszlo Kovacs, nominee. And Male New Face, Peter Fonda, nominee. He's beautiful. He's dreamy. Oh, yeah, baby. Brody, you know what time it is. It's time to... Get busy, So, guys, 
This actually got a Criterion release, similar to our first episode, so let's talk oh. about this Criterion release from May 3rd, 2016, and it features a restored high-definition digital transfer supervised by Director of Photography, Laszlo Kovacs, with uncompressed mon soundtrack on the Blu-ray. Whatever what the- mon f- Fuck. I, <laughs> yep, I pronounced that the best I could. I'm sorry, guys. No, it's sorry. I mean, I've never heard of that before. I don't ever. even know what that means. Uh, I know binaural is like the uh, when they use both the channels to mess with you like Pearl Jam recorded an album uh, called Binaural that literally just played around with like 3D sound space Interesting. but I have no idea what monaural is is it just mono has to be like, is it just one channel <laughs> alternate 2.0 and 5.1 surround soundtracks presented in DTS HD master audio on the Blu-ray two audio commentaries one from 2009 featuring audio director writer Dennis Hopper and the other from 1995 featuring Hopper actor writer Peter Fonda and production manager Paul Lewis. Born to be Wild, 1995, and Easy Rider Shaking the Cage in 1999 documentaries about the making and the history of the film. Television excerpts showing Hopper and Fonda at the Cannes Film Festival in 1969. Interview with 2010, oh, sorry, from 2010, with BBS Productions co-founder Steve Launer. Theatrical trailers, English subtitles for the death and hard of hearing. In an essay by film critic Matt Zoller cites, uh, the subtitles are also for those who have kids. Uh, available from Criterion at $31.96 or from Amazon at $23.29 at time of recording this podcast. It's something I added. Thought that would uh, help all you people out there that like to purchase and collect. None of us actually own this release. That's just all the stuff that I found online. The artwork for this release is actually quite exquisite. It's uh, very different from the theatrical posters, and I highly recommend anything from Criterion. I believe that anything from them just feels like a step above the rest. Very similar to Arrow. I think Brody and I have had discussions before where we think Arrow and Criterion are like at the same level uh, when it comes to production value. Yeah, it's just when you hold that stuff in your hands, you feel like you paid that money and it's worth it. Every little ounce is worth it. Where you pick up some Blu-rays and you're like, hey, at least I got it. I think yeah. when you buy those Arrow and those Criterions, you just feel like, ooh, baby, it's like a little caviar and everything else is, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hey, so you guys did a little bit of research on this film, so let's hear about it. Right, let me start off by just saying that Peter Fonda on the Dick Cavett show was known for the big Excuse man me? who killed the movies. Dick Cavett. <laughs> <laughs> did said, I say that wrong? Yeah, no, you, you, you like said it with no pause. You're like Dick Cavett. <laughs> <laughs> what? I do apologize. I do apologize to old Mr. Cavett. Dick Cavett yeah. fans are screaming. It's like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in another country. <laughs> anyway. Fonda states, there's a lot of people in the business who don't like me. Dennis Hopper and Bert Schneider out there in California also. I think there were about three or 4,000 executives out there that had to pack up and move out. This was due to the gigantic success of Easy Rider. Also, when asked if they had him followed out there after killing the big movies, Fonda states that they had me tapped. Not in not in the bank account, but on the phone. I think it was a bit of a joke because he never really clarifies if it was true or not. So. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Um, on a radio interview with uh, Q1043 New York, I hope I said that right, uh, when asked about choosing the music for the film, Fonda states that, well, that was all Dennis. Most of the time, our editor, Don Camburn, that had been a, uh, an, a music editor before, he, he was able to cut these different songs and make them work to the visual beats. Of the Fucking film. fantastic. I'll tell you what. Oh, God, Absolutely. I love the soundtrack for this movie. <laughs> Originally, actor Rip Torn, hey. Hopper's first choice, was meant to play the lawyer, right? 
role because he was from Texas. On an interview with Jay Leno, Hopper discusses what actually happened between him and Rip Torn. He states, I had a problem with him. One night, he pulled a knife on me at dinner because he thought I was cutting him out of the picture. So... It was one way for me to say that we are not working together, so that was pretty good. <laughs> you get rip-torn to pull a knife on you at dinner. I, I was reading that in bed when I woke up this morning. I was like, oh, I got the notes written. I was like, how have I never heard of this happening? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Fonda states, uh, we had to shoot the first week in New Orleans and we had to come back to start writing the script with Terry Southern. And what we were doing was taking my stereo and putting it on the page so it would be broken down by the production managers so that we could see what we were doing with our next move and so forth. And in that sense, we had an old-fashioned movie with a production manager to do those things. Uh, we had some of the weirdest stuff that I'd never heard of before. Uh, but the Holly model rounders were on, where on earth did Dennis find that? Because I gave him all my records and he somehow chose that. So that was another cool little fact that, um, hmm. just based on the music around the film. It really um, sets the tone for the movie. I have to say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Those, um, those scenery, like the, it's basically one big long music video. I find this film pretty it's much fucking fantastic. Yeah. But the scenery just works so well. Uh, when Fonda was asked that if his dad had seen Easy Rider on the BFI, event interview, he states, my dad, Henry Fonda, saw Easy Rider and had come up to his house and said, look, son, I know you have all your eggs in this basket, but I just wish that you would let us know where you were going. I said, dad, why don't you just take this trip the way we do and discover America? I mean, you did all of this in Grapes of Wrath, 12 Angry Men, uh, so just take the journey with us. But you have to remember that he was from a different generation and class of society. So in the end, he thought I was extremely weird and loved to dress like a hippie. Ooh. I really wonder what his dad thought after he, if he read anything about the production of the movie and was just like, and that's my kid. That <laughs> <laughs> went wrong. <laughs> what did I do? Uh, yeah, I found out some stuff as well. Um, I read uh, in an interview with The Independent, Jack Nicholson uh, stated that it was tremendously hard to look at his own work at the time. Apparently, they did a retrospective at Telluride uh, and showed all the movies that he'd appeared in. Basically, they did just a marathon of his old movies. Apparently, he said he couldn't bear it, stating that I had to leave the cinema. All I could see in the early films before Easy Rider was just this desperate young actor trying to vault out of the screen and create a movie career. <laughs> Which I just thought was interesting. I, I don't think I'd ever actually really read uh, a retrospective interview or something like that where Jack Nicholson just talked about how he felt about his old stuff. Um, also found out, so the song The Weight uh, by the band that was originally intended for their 1968 debut album. I also love that song. Uh, it ended up appearing in the film first because it wasn't actually officially released until August of 69 after the movie had come out. Um, so, however, the studio wasn't actually able to license that song for the soundtrack. Uh, they were able to get it for the movie. So the, the one that plays in the movie is the original by the band, but on the sound Soundtrack, it's actually a cover by the band Smith because they just lost the licensing for it before they released the uh, soundtrack. Um, <laughs> uh, referencing back to when I was talking about the production of this movie. So the scene actually in which uh, George Jack Nicholson's character talks about UFOs and aliens, apparently Dennis Hopper had intended to get Jack Nicholson as high as was possible uh, because they did smoke real marijuana for every single scene, <laughs> which they got Devil's high. Devil's lettuce. Yes. Uh, so all the pauses and laughter and everything that goes on during that scene were actually real and unintended. Jack Nicholson was just really struggling to get through his lines. 
Uh, apparently, the rest of the production crew and cast were all actually drunk and high for the majority of the entire filming process because they would use local hippie commune members as camera operators. They would just hand it to them and go, hey, film us really quick. Uh, they they never actually finalized the script, uh, so they were making up and ad-libbing most of it as they went along. Uh, the only thing, really, that I was able to find that they had to fake was the cocaine usage at the beginning of the movie. Um, so one that I just pulled out of my head. So this movie actually gets referenced in Beavis and Butthead Do America when they meet their fathers for the first time uh, because they meet them when they're out in the desert outside of Vegas and their dads are two bikers uh, that talk to them about their moms. <laughs> I love that. I think that might be part of the reason why I picked this movie is I just thought of that scene and was like, oh, we should watch Easy Rider. <laughs> is that straight up like, oh, sorry, is that before the scene where Beavis eats that fucking... Um... It's like a cactus and he like trips the fuck right out. Oh, the peyote. Yeah, yeah that's peyote. it. That's it. I think they I think they wake up meeting their dads after that peyote trip. <laughs> Which I, I love Beavis and Butthead to America. Uh, <laughs> God damn kids yeah. are whacking off in my own free again. Off in my <laughs> I love that Hank Hill is partly based on <laughs> That character what is it, Miss, is well. it Anderson? Is it Mr. Anderson? Um, oh, God. Um, shamelessly just going to Google it right now. I, <laughs> I don't. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's Tom Anderson. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I also found out, apparently, uh, the American flag patch that Peter Fonda has on the back of his jacket throughout the whole movie. Uh, a collector. America. A collector bought that in 2007 for 80, $89,625. That's worth it. I'll tell you what. That's a piece of fucking I mean, History boy. It definitely is. I just really, I was reading, I'm like, imagine paying 90 grand for a jacket patch. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the film's soundtrack actually peaked at number six on the Billboard Top 100. Uh, it was certified gold within six months after its release. I believe it was by January of 1970. It had already been certified gold. And rightfully so, because I fucking love the soundtrack for this movie. And you're certifiably uh, handsome. Uh, And then the last thing that I was able to really find that kind of piqued my interest, apparently at one point during filming, Jack Nicholson actually broke one of Peter Fonda's ribs uh, because he believed that the bike that they were riding on was too squirrely and it made him nervous. So he squeezed his legs around Peter Fonda's ribs and cracked him (laughs) at one point. Uh, That's fucking awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) so yeah, just everything out of the production, uh, I think you could not make this movie the same way that they did today you could not do this if you even suggested it the insurance company would be like you're out of your fucking mind (laughs) (laughs) i love it so much for that yeah it's fucking rad so guys let's talk about it okay so favorite performance Take it away, Nick. Sure. Um, I think I'm actually going to have to go with Peter Fonda as Wyatt. Uh, I was originally probably going to pick Jack Nicholson, um, but I think Wyatt's character was a bit more interesting to me, especially when you kind of get to their bad trip in New Orleans. At the end, you get kind of some some of that background to him. Um, Apparently, actually, also in that, uh, the scene where he's, he's crying and yelling at the statue, apparently uh, Dennis Hopper just told him, uh, pretend it's your mom. And so he just yelled at it a lot. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I just, I really like that, you know, they, they created an interesting character out of essentially nothing. Like I said, they, they didn't finish writing the movie before they started filming the movie and he still just somehow managed to pull it off. 
uh, and he was just interesting the whole way through. Um, but yeah, what about you, Brody? Well, 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 I would have to go with uh, the director himself, Dennis Hopper, as Billy. I, I just, not only do I love Dennis Hopper as an actor, he's always been one of my fucking favorite actors, um, but just to see him play a whacked out biker, you know, it was actually a pretty cool experience uh, to see that unfold. Um, and it just, like it, we were talking about before the show started, like was he actually whacked out of his mind? acting in this and you've already answered that for me. So that was really cool to, uh, yeah, as I said, to see that. And, and, you know, not only that, like to see his, um, to see him perform a controversial lifestyle for that time. And it definitely showcases his skills and directing at the same time. So yeah, I'd have to go with Dennis Hopper as Billy. I thought he was great. Now I'm not familiar as familiar from cinema from this era in the United States as I am with, let's say, Italy, only because mm. of my various interests in, in film and whatnot. So this film, and this is my third watch. The first few times I watched it, I was younger with my grandfather. My grandfather, for a little bit of context, both my grandmother and my grandfather are like old biker hippies, and I grew up with them. So this film was pretty prevalent uh, in my youth because my grandfather showed me this and was like, you got to watch this film. This is like my lifestyle. So, you know, this was just like the whole fucking thing. This was cool and everything. And uh, yeah, the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now watching it as an adult, I mean, through what I call my new lens, I think that this film is just amazing. There's some really, really rad fucking sequences in this film. I think that the dialogue is just... So saying that performance, who delivers the best dialogue is pretty much what it comes down to here because everyone just shines so fucking bright. I want to agree with Brody, say Dennis Hopper. Peter Fonda had moments. Jack Nicholson had moments, especially mm. the alien dialogue scene had me in stitches. <laughs> so good. Fantastic scene. <laughs> Loved it. But whenever just the way Hopper portrays like this, I mean, I guess if he's high and drunk, it's easy. Like whenever he first walks into, uh, is it like a Mexican family? It's like how? And then like the, the old like Texas rancher with like a Mexican wife and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, either that or I think uh, she may have been Native American, something like that. Okay. Uh, he he kind of like stumbles and he's like giggly and stuff. And he's like that throughout the entire film. But like, I think that's just awesome. And his dialogue, he has that kind of like Sean Penn, Fast Times at Ridgemont High uh, dialogue flow. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like it's laid yeah, back. He he, he's, he's there. He's experienced everything, but he's just kind of taking it a little bit better than everyone else. I, yeah. It's cool. It, it's I think his dialogue just it's more impactful to me mm -hmm. absolutely it's more of a natural approach yes. to, to that's what helps it deliver I think it feels more natural than any other uh, character yeah I can see that I can agree with that favorite set piece I'm just gonna go with the desert man <laughs> just, just the freaking highway the whole scene of them going through uh, Arizona uh, like I think I believe you said it earlier, Brody, that this whole thing is just an hour and a half long music video and it's gorgeous. Like just all the scenes of them just riding around in the desert and it's just playing Born to be Wild, his <laughs> random Steppenwolf songs and Jimi Hendrix. I'm just like, I love this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, just the Arizona desert as, as mine. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I'd have to. Um, I was going to pick that and then I was like, I'll do something different and uh, go to the graveyard. I, f I found that pretty grungy. Uh, you know, with some of the editing choices that they made during that sequence. It, um, oh, for, what were they doing? LSD? Yes. Was that? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the LSD scene pretty much. Yeah. It was, it was just a very, very intriguing and interesting scene to uh, see unfold. Um, yeah. The graveyard for me, mate. What about 
at you, Mr. Bowser. Graveyard's fucking cool. I feel like Louisiana's always a cool uh, little like place to go to film. And I feel like some of the flashes of the uh, Mardi Gras we got were really fucking rad. Graveyard, though. Mm-hmm. Ah, man, it's just so fucking cool. I, uh, there's a show called The Originals, which is a spinoff of Vampire Diaries. And it takes place in Louisiana. And it features the like the graveyards in Louisiana a lot. And it's fucking rad as hell. I just feel like that, like that, just the feeling and the look of those graveyards and the way that they are laid out and stuff is just a little extra creepier than other uh, graveyards. So, but yeah, I'd say the graveyard in the uh, down there is pretty, pretty, pretty creepy. Down <laughs> <laughs> <Nothing> by you. <laughs> Favorite scene slash shot. That rock scene where they're when they're t- sitting in front of that rock. I think that's really fucking cool. Mm. I, I, it's all framed within that. There's so much that happens all framed within that rock. It's all, it's, it's just so rad. I don't know. It's just like he's able to utilize such little things and just make it so cool. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think mine is probably going to be the the UFO scene or uh, the what just any of the ones where it's just them kind of gathered around their little campfire and they're just hanging out and bullshitting uh so i, I would say either wasn't there a scene yeah. where they showed everybody in a circle i believe so i think that's when he drops the hippie off and there's like kids crying and the, the commune like does like yeah, a three, yeah that's like a pretty rad spin. yeah that one was actually pretty cool I'm, that was really yeah that was really nice <laughs> shot <laughs> um yeah i don't know i think the the scene probably right before G- george gets killed i would say when it's just them hanging out it, it, it's the opposite one from the uh the ufo scene Actually. Why did uh, Fonda never but. fondle that girl? That, that I, I mean, you did see a guy get beaten to death and was also almost beaten to death shortly before that. <laughs> I feel like at that point, he was probably just kind of still processing everything. Fair enough. So. Uh, yeah, uh, favorite scene for me, like I I really wanted to say any of the bike riding scenes, but the one that really does it for me is uh, Born to be Wild when they're just fucking cruising to the music out in the fucking open. It makes me want to get on my bike and just fucking go for it, chuck on the headphones and listen to that <laughs> shit. Like, Hell yeah. <laughs> It actually kind of made me think of Mad Max a little bit too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Just because I'm surrounded so much desert out here. So yeah, it was pretty, I I really love that. I know it's very simple and basic, but as a musician's point of view, I I found that to be very fucking cool and punchy and rock. And I was like, fuck yeah, this is what, this is how the movie starts off. It's only going to get better from here. So yeah, I'd say that that scene for me. That's good. I already said the rock scene. I feel like that's just, it's just cool use of uh, the setting, but, uh, there's lots of cool shots in this film. Like I said, that one circle shot was really cool. I feel like uh, the camera work is just so interesting that I can't really just pick one specific shot. But like like, like I said, scene, that rock scene's pretty fucking rad. And I really love whenever they're like tweaking out and they're in, in between the, the crypt and that wall. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty rad. Oh, that's a really cool shot. It's, it's a rad visual. Mm-hmm. Favorite effect in death? I'd say Wyatt's death. Just his bike exploding into flames alongside the uh, the, the road. Just, Where's just the money? The money? Where are they hiding? Like, what? the budget go into it's inside the fuel tank oh yeah it's, it's in a pipe tank yeah oh yeah you remember uh when the the hippie dude that they pick up he was going to fill the gas tank and billy's like what are you doing man and he's like why are you letting him do it if he looks in the gas tank you can see our whole future in there man because they just yeah they took all that cash stuffed it into a tube put it in his gas tank it's cool billy it's cool man Fuck that right there is captain america <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there's many effects this in this film. Not a whole lot. I I figured honestly going into it because I, I mean I knew what kind of movie it was. I get I hadn't seen it before picking it for this. Um, but even beforehand, I was like, I can already kind of tell it's going to be the trip. It's going to be a trip scene that's going to get the effect for this one. Yeah. Um, it's just really well done. Props to the cinematographer for being able to like being able to work with this. When, like I said earlier, for most of the production, he was handing the camera off to stoned hippies that they met. I mean, like, sometimes your stoned hippies are some of the best people out there. I'm just saying, man. <laughs> Steady can. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I'd say the effect is I would have to give it to the, the trip and the death I would have to give to Wyatt. Uh, and like I said earlier, before we started recording this, didn't know anyone was going to die at all. Didn't know we'd actually get a favorite death for this movie. <laughs> Everybody dies. Everybody dies. <laughs> yeah, I, I was the same. I had never seen this film before. This is my first viewing, and I knew that someone dies at the end, but I didn't realize everyone gets fucking wiped out. So, um, but yeah, I had white. I, I was the same. I had white, and, and the, for the fact that you don't actually get to see him get shot off his bike, and you just see like the bike actually makes up for that, and ex- the ex- fucking over the top exploding wheels already come off the bike. It's like so stupid, but so yet effective <laughs> at the same time. Like. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. It just made sense. It made sense, and yeah, yeah. It, it, but it, it just shows you how much of an ugly death that White did have in the end. So yeah, imagine White. getting killed in your sleep. Yeah, that's pretty fucking brutal. George's yeah. death came so sudden. I figured they were gonna like fuck with him. I didn't think they were gonna kill George. Yeah. <laughs> like, good God, that one came out of nowhere. I was like, is he? Is he actually fucking dead? <laughs> And the editing cut to that was actually pretty cool. Like, I was just thinking, is it all a dream? And then it just shows you. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? That was pretty cool. Yeah. I'll have to say that because it's so unexpected and I didn't. I, I didn't remember that scene, to be honest, and it, it was definitely a, a swift kick in the dick, and I was like, oh, yeah. Especially after he was so funny for the whole movie. His fucking helmet killed me so much. Oh, I got a helmet. I got a beauty. <laughs> it just looks like a dork. I love it. Can I just say, that's that actually, that fucking di- diner scene when, they, when they're down in Mississippi or New Orleans, wherever the fuck it is, and they're sitting there and they they pan across and they see all the women just staring at him at the at the little booth. And he's like, what does he say? Is it like, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. Oh, Poon Tang. What is it? Poon Tang? And then he flicks his tongue. Yeah. So funny. He does it again. As soon as they come outside, he turns his head and goes, Poon Tang. He's up there like tripping out. He's like, what? Poon Tang. Oh, I fucking lost it. Oh, it's so good. I wonder, he's like, well, don't make it too obvious that Dennis Hopper very obviously turns around and stares down the entire group of girls. Lawman's I- looking at us. Oh, the man's the man's in the window. Yeah. <laughs> just, never seen someone just get roasted so hard by every single patron in our diner before, like the instant they walk in. I was just like, man, this town's full of assholes. <laughs> Fucking A. So, thoughts on story? I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, so I want to hear you guys. I love the story for this movie. I mean, the whole thing is just, I mean, it's just a road trip. I love movies like that that just have such a simple premise. Characters are going from point A to point B. We can now do anything we want with that period of time until the, like they get there. Um, I just like it because it starts, you know, you get the, the cocaine deal at the start, so 
they've they've made their retirement essentially they're like they're done they're not working anymore he's that like we're rich one. Wyatt yeah they did their one last big one with that cocaine sale and, and what are they going to do with it fuck it let's go to Mardi Gras <laughs> like, I, just, I love it it's so simple uh, and it's just so fun to watch the entire time as well um, and I think part of it in a lot of like I think part of it is is that they get you to care about the characters so you actually do care when they all die in the end like with you know George's death coming so suddenly I was, it's it's a gut punch it's a kick in the dick like you said and then the same goes for Billy and Wyatt at the end uh, it's really simple and it's really well done I really like the story on this what about you Brody yeah uh, yeah I really appreciate the, the journey that we've taken on uh, with with these A-list actors um, you know like I said before you put them in this controversial lifestyle and you're watching it unfold and it definitely keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole way there's something about the filmmaking of this film you're just expecting something to happen even though it doesn't really happen until the final act it, it still had me guessing it was kept me guessing the whole way through like i'm like is something going to happen here any minute now i mean like they are bike bikies or bikers whatever you want to call them and like you're just waiting and waiting i just felt the only problem i had with it was the fact that it just felt like a rush ending that was it was sort of like okay he's dead yeah he's gonna go after this truck and then he's dead and then it just ends i thought there would have been a little bit more to it but in saying that it, it just i suppose that's the realism of the story and exactly as I said, I, I still exactly yeah. mm-hmm. it's the realism it's the realism and that that's what i really appreciate about this film so yeah overall I do like it. I really enjoyed it. Brody, take take the film that we don't like at all, Last House on the Left. And that's a film yeah. that try to do a realistic approach. Now take a film like this. This is a film to take a different realistic approach. Which do you prefer? Oh, this film is 100%. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That film was fucking atrocious. And Bobby <laughs> Amoni, if you are what, uh, listening, sorry, mate. But yeah, that film sucked. <laughs> bowls <laughs> did you guys watch the original last house on the left yeah like the 70 one yeah uh, yeah no it's not great it's not great <laughs> but i will say the remake is actually decent for what it is i don't obviously stand by the themes and i think the themes in that film are fucked up but the remake you actually feel a bit more for those characters and it's actually directed in a better sense and style yes well, yeah. Not so snuff film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a revenge. It's fucking revenge, and it's sick. and it, it, it fulfills all your needs by the end credits. Like it is a better version of I Spit on Your Grave. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think this movie is just fantastic, and like I said, I'm not super familiar with this era of. Uh, U.S. film, so it's <laughs> so yeah, it's it's kind of strange, especially uh, seeing some of the hints of racism and some of the dialogue. I was like, oh wow! I mean, you, mm-hmm. you see it uh, in Italian cinema, but it's more implied than actually said out loud. Like there's some films where you see some servants and shit, and then you're like. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> but then again, that's also films that reference old, older, 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 older times too, as well. So mm-hmm. uh, that it's it's it's, inter- it's interesting to see some of the dialogue choices here. But again, adds to the realism, adds to the time period. So kudos for that. And I think that this film, I mean, it ages pretty fucking good. I mean, we're watching it through a twenty twenty one lens, and it's it's not too spicy. So yeah, not really. No, I mean, it's it just adds to the realism of it. Like, like George's character saying, like, "Oh, I can get you guys like out scot free. It would just yeah. be harder if you weren't white." I'm like, "Well, it is." 1969 <laughs> so it's facts yeah mm-hmm. fucking oath. just there's just so, some of the stuff that you have to deal with when you watch some of these uh exploitative films so some of these themes like you know I, you know this is actually a good time to talk about this uh 
So like, you know, some of the other films we touched on some things like uh, Nazis and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I mean, even this film, I mean, when you get into exploitive cinema, you're going to touch on things that are sensitive to some people and and you can apologize for that. But if you're going to be watching these films, you're going to expose yourself to them. It's it's nature of the beast. It's yeah. Uncomfortable stuff. Some of this is uncomfortable. Mm. By their very nature, they're not afraid to explore stuff like that. Yes. And just kind of put it in your face, be like, this is the thing that happens. This exists. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to have to deal with it. So. And if it tells them, if, if, if realism adds to the story and, and allows the film to be timeless like it has here, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think this is one of the cases where it's, it's where racism is portrayed in a way where it's blatantly fucking terrible and the characters are blatantly terrible. So I think it's, it, it's, 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 it's a way that people can look back on this and be like, those guys are pieces of shit. We're not going to do that. So, yeah, I think that that's this is probably why this film stands up because it, of the way it's portrayal of that uh, type of dialogue and the, the those characters. I think context is key. So those of you on Twitter who complain about uh, cancellation, uh, context is key. Just remember that. Mm. remember that. Impact and takeaways. Impact on film. Like Dennis Hopper said, it kind of shook Hollywood down to its core. United States filmmaking out this time. Yeah. Don't know a lot I mean, about it, but I don't think it was that much of a fruitful era anyway. So it's I mean, it, it was it was the end of the golden age of hollywood yeah and i think i saw um that this and the graduate are kind of credited with kicking off the new hollywood era as it's called of like the 70s and stuff like that so i mean it ushered in a new era of film yeah like the impact of this movie cannot be understated and that and it was made for a shoestring budget by two guys that just wanted to go get high in the desert together so like nick said (laughs) it it, it started a fire well it sparked a fire in the film industry that was kind of what it's Stagnant, would you say? Just, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. It, the, like I said, the golden age of Hollywood is coming to the end. Like it, it was becoming very samey. I think at the time, um, it was you either make westerns, yeah, or you go do Italian movies. Which, I mean, that's even a point in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Rick Dalton's character is like, I don't want to fucking go do Italian movies. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. They're referencing the Euro crime trend in uh, Italy at the time. It's so fucking funny because a lot of those people like John Saxon and uh, Henry Silva would literally go over there and do Euro crime movies. Just 30 to 40 a fucking year they would pump out and you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's insane. So it was, it was either. Yeah, it, 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 that was it. it was you either do a crime movie in America or you go do a special spaghetti western in italy yeah it's uh, it, what like, they say i watched a Eurocrime documentary not too long ago and they said that uh how would you know that a genre cycles over it would uh they would start parodying itself it would be comedy western and then comedy horror comedy thriller you know and it, it that's how you know things are dying yeah hey blazing saddles is great Okay. <laughs> okay, with the exception of that. <laughs> Fucking A. So, you guys want to rate this? Yes. We got a rating for this week, and that is five highest fuck bike riding hippies. Yes. <laughs> so, let's rate this. Brody Kane, start you off. Uh, I'm going to give it a 3.8. Yay. Slick Nick. Oh, I was going to give it a four and a half. I love this movie. I'm going to give it a 4.25. That is a lights camera exploitation score of 4.2 out of five. High as fuck bike riding hippies. <laughs> Hell yes. So what do we got next week? That's your pick, mate. That would mm-hmm. be Brian De Palma's Dressed to Kill. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm looking fucking forward to it. I oh, can't yeah. wait to give that film a proper rundown, proper look through, and a proper analysis, especially after we did The Bird with the Crystal Plumage and The Possessed. Mm-hmm. So you guys can uh, see some of the uh, callbacks to those films within that film and definitely see the, some of the influences that De Palma took from Italian cinema 
you know how he transformed it into his own little flavor and style. I I can't wait to show you guys this. Yeah, it should yeah, be fun. I'm looking forward it. to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Brody, do you have any uh, anything to say on this? Um, um, <laughs> fuck. Am I meant to say something? No. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, head over to Project Louder and check out our other shows. Well, Nick, you're on. Uh, actually, I'll butcher this. You're gonna have to cut this fucking out. I'll let you take this one away. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> cut this cunt out. Leave all of this in, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking a. Fine. So next week we have Dress to Kill, and the week after that we have oh Dead Kids, Dead Kids. to finish off season <laughs> one, and then we'll take a little break, and then we will be back with some more stuff. But season two, we've discussed earlier today, we'll have some bonus content waiting for you. So we're excited for that, and we'll uh, utilize that break well. We promise. It'll be a fun little time indeed. Dead Kids, can't wait to talk about that either. Brody, we'll definitely have to talk about uh, all of that. Just all of, you know, Strange Invaders and yeah, yeah, that's going to be fun. I, I, I'm still yet to see Strange Invaders, but I'm more than happy to ramble on about fucking Dead Kids. Absolutely. AKA Strange <laughs> Behavior. Yes. Fucking fantastic film. And what could have been with the third film, but we'll talk about that. We'll we'll definitely talk about oh. that. <laughs> Brody oh, and I have discussions about it to this day. It's, All it's, right. <laughs> it, it's it too cool fun. of an idea to not to, to not talk about it and to be like, fuck, I want to do that. I, I want to I want to see that made. Like, yeah. We need to make treatments for this. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so guys, just a friendly reminder that Lights Camera Exploitation is part of ProjectLouder.net. Nick, do you want to take it away? Sure thing. Uh, yeah, uh, so you can check us out projectladder.net. Of course, you can also do Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Google Play Music. Oh, no, that's dead now. YouTube Music, I'm assuming. Um, pretty much anywhere you can get a uh, podcast. Um, and I myself uh, am also on Big Bad Beetle Bros. Uh, Brody here is on Goran Moore and MK Fatality as well. And TJ here, you can find on Goran Moore, TJ, the TJ Bowser Power Hour. Uh, and dang near everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I produce almost every show and I host, how many shows do I host now? What the fuck was that? Uh, I host one, two, three, four, five, six, six shows right now. I don't know how you do it, man. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you find all of those, like you said, on projectlouder.net and head on over there and click on our merch tab and that will link you to our Public. Pick up some sweet merch and help out lay network. So thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Lights, Camera, Exploitation. This is your host with the motherfucking most, TJ Bowser. Set it up! This is your doppelganger kanga banger all the way from down under saying sayonara, bitches. And this is Slick Nick signing off.
But I sure would like a hit Don't bogart that joint, my friend Pass it over to me Don't bogart that joint, my friend Pass it over to me Another one Just like the other one This one's burned to the end So come on and be a friend Don't bogart that joint My friend Pass it over Pass it over.